0: To podcast.
1: What's up, creeps? <laughs> it's Scream Month, baby, because it's a scream, and we are back once again. Jeremy, you ready for this? What's your favorite scary
2: movie?
1: Th- that was pretty good. Was that good? I, I actually liked that. I- yeah, you- I tried you- very, know- very hard voice effect or anything it sounded very natural i mean you're not quite roger jackson level but that was for first try ever totally dude but yes we are here again ladies and gentlemen for more scream on this week's episode of yeah thank you so so much for listening to last week's episode our review of the brand new scream movie with our wonderful beautiful amazing guest deandra lazor Uh, She did a fantastic job, and we'd love to have her on the show again. But huge thanks to every single person that sent feedback and commented. Uh, We love hearing feedback on the episode, so keep sending that shit our way. But I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. I'm Brady. And this is a very special episode because we are indulging in the month of Scream, if you will. And I couldn't think of a better person to bring on the show then the person that has been shining a gigantic spotlight on the Scream series for quite a while now, someone that's literally lit it up, like reinvigorated the discussion on this series that we all love so so much. So we'd love to welcome on Ryan from Scream with Ryan C Showers podcast. What's up, Ryan?
3: Wow, that is quite an introduction. You're you're boosting up my ego here.
1: <laughs> well, I, I I don't know how your ego isn't as Bigger than anyone else's right now, because um you literally have, I mean, the discussion, especially on social media and with your show, it's it's basically a shot to the heart of this series and got the conversation moving again, where, you know, we talked about a little bit pre-show where the discussion on this series kind of died off for a while, yeah. except for, you know, some fan groups in the underground. And I feel like you've done so much for the franchise with your show I I wanted to pick your brain before we actually got started. Like, what was it that really gave you the inspiration to other than being a fan, but to do your show?
3: Well, it's so it's actually a really um, great, a great little story. Um, So I was um, I was I have done podcasts for for years, I uh, I was at Next Best Picture, um, the website podcast, where I wrote and did, uh, I co-hosted um, movie reviews and stuff. Uh, and I I kind of burned out from that. Like I was, you know, Next Best Picture. What we did was it was all about Oscar coverage and artsy fartsy movies. And I realized um, while I was watching the Oscars this past year, like how empty I felt and how unhappy I was whenever was whenever it was over. And um, you know, obviously, like you know, during COVID, Scream and the build up to the new movie was such a such a big thing in my life um, because it was something to look forward to and, you know, Scream, the, the, the original trilogy, they're my favorite movies and it really just like, you know, it helped me get through COVID in a weird way. It really, it helped me, it also came in a weird time for my life personally where I, uh, you know, this process of falling back in love with scream was something that made me remind me of who I was. Um, and you know, there was, as I was starting to get restless with the Oscar world, I kind of, uh, you know, I, I love the Facebook groups. I'm in all the Facebook groups and I, I watched, I was watching scream three and I had a light bulb moment about one, a part of the killer's motive and that, and I wrote this big, long, like 2000 word thing on Facebook. And I was thinking to myself, well, why I should be talking about this on a podcast. I shouldn't just be writing about this. No one as cares what I have to, you know, on the Facebook group, no one gives a shit. Um, so, uh, you know, I thought, you know, I, I have all these skills from podcasting. Why not just apply it to Scream? You know, Marvel and Lord of the Rings and DC and, you know, uh, uh, Star Wars, they all have podcasts. Why can't I do the same thing? And, uh, you know, I, I thought a lot about it and I had to plan out like and really think about t- the types of topics I would have. Um, but once I did, I mean, it really everything fell into place like within like two weeks. Like I was actually um, vacationing in Massachusetts um, uh, in June, and it just like I've I, you know I kind of got on a contract with a network, and it just everything fell in line. So and since then it's just um, taken off, and I, I'm so grateful for it. It's a great thing in my life. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's, that's awesome.
1: So, so great to hear because, and honestly, I'm shocked that when I when I saw the name and it pop up. And I started talking to my friend Gerald about this. Cause I had, you know, talked about scream characters and stuff on, uh, countdowns on the two piece show before I was like, really no one has done like a scream centric podcast before this. It was like, there's alien podcasts and like podcasts about Stanley Kubrick movies and everything else. But I was, it just shocked me, but I'm glad that you grabbed it because it seems like you're the right person to do it. You have that passion, that knowledge and that love of the series. Well,
3: And that's the thing. Like I, that was also something that was driving me. It's like, because I, I love podcasts. I was, I'm a commuter. Like, I'm always driving places to work, to school, wherever. And so I'm listening to podcasts all the time. And I was – so, you know, I was thinking about it. And, like, I was thinking, you know, who – do I know somebody who could do a better job at this than me? And I, not to be bold, but I kind of said, no, like I am the perfect person to do no, damn it, be
1: bold. <laughs> because. You're on the podcast to be bold. <laughs> well, and,
3: you know, and I also think I approach the series in a different way. Like, um, as a fan, but also in my show, like I really try to approach it both as a fan and as a film critic. So you kind of get that deeper level of analysis while having that love for the series. And I honestly think that's what, connects with people with my show is that that's something very unique. It's something positive. It's not, you know, uh, it's not a Debbie Downer, um, but it's still important and thoughtful and intellectual in a way. Um, and plus, I genuinely love all of the movies in the series and I take them very seriously and I think that is something that you don't really get with with most fans. Like there's, there's always one movie, one of the sequels that someone doesn't like. So um, I really try to give them all a fair shake. Yeah, and Just,
2: Justin surprised me. He said that you're a huge champion for for Scream Three, which is something that you don't see very often these days. But uh, Justin was telling me there's a huge renaissance for the film, which is
3: which is cool. It yeah, there uh, there there has been. Uh, you know, I feel like since uh, since the new movie was announced. Scream three and Scream four. The stock of those movies has risen, um, and people have really reevaluated them. And you also have to remember, um, Scream the new Scream was announced as like going forward in production about two thousand eighteen, which was a year after the Me Too um, movement happened. And uh, Scream three really told the story of Me Too, um, you know, seventeen years earlier in two thousand, the year two thousand. I think that um, allowed people um, a different lens to look at it and appreciate it more. Um, And I've also heard not to be not to be bold again, but a lot of people have listened to my show and been like, oh, wow, I've looked at Scream 3 differently because of what you've what. Exactly. And I think that that's exactly what I wanted to do, because I feel like Scream 3 has gotten such an unfair shake from fans. Um, Basically, since the day it was announced that Kevin Williamson wouldn't be writing back in 1999. So I'm I've been trying to get people to engage with the material in a different way, and the same goes for Scream 4. And I actually think Scream 4 is just as has had just as much of a resurgence as Scream 3 um, with its killer and uh, with the motive and um, how relevant it is um, to today's world. So,
2: yeah, I mean, if horror fans can come around to a
3: Michael Myers Halloween 3, why not? <laughs> Enjoy Scream Three. Well, and can I just say, like, that's the one thing I love about horror fans is, like, um, you know, they most horror fans, especially like within the Scream fandom, Scream fandom is actually they they are filled with a lot of great people. Like, you know, the it's ironic that the the subject of um, the new movie is toxic fandom because Scream doesn't have that toxic of of a fandom, and I actually think that most horror fans in general aren't very toxic. I mean, there are the the threads. There's always threads with any kind of fandom. But on as a whole compared to other fandoms horror people and scream people specifically are pretty good apples in my opinion because I've I've had my hand in different fandoms like in different groups like for instance the, the film twitter group that covers the Oscars they're like a, they're <sighs> they are the most toxic <laughs> people you will ever meet in your entire life um, you know and you have like all the, the action adventure type stuff that I referenced earlier um, but even like things like sex in the city I know you like it, it sounds so weird to think of sex in the city as a fandom but they are toxic as fuck I mean so it's they've been going nuts Lots about that one recently they have yeah. and like it's just funny because it's really opened my eyes to just again I, wh- how i've why i've said the podcast has been so good for me on a personal level too is because it's such a healthy thing to interact with people who love you know who are just joining together about something that we love you know
1: and, and that's why like for me at least i've loved the outpouring of affection that the new movie has received. I know there are people that disliked it. We just talked about it last week on the show. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's going to have their own feelings and thoughts, obviously returning to such an iconic franchise. People are going to have their expectations in check, and sometimes that hurts their view on the movie, myself included. But we are here, ladies and gentlemen, to do something so special. This is an extremely hard task. This is going to be our top five moments Of the Scream series, so this includes all of the movies, so if you've not seen the new one, please stay clear until you have seen the new one, because some of us probably will have some of those moments on this countdown, so we're so happy and honored to have Ryan here with us tonight, and of course, we brought back Brady, who is our little brother, our son, and someone that is huge on Scream, but, Mm -hmm. you know, found it much later in life because he was only allowed to watch Disney movies and <laughs> much Amish like a shit.
4: <laughs> much like a Wes Craven reincarnate. That's right, exactly.
1: You you're, you're our, our resident Wes Craven here on the show, but you know what? We got to get this countdown started. Let's kick this shit off and we're going to kick it off with number five and we got to throw it to our guest first. Ryan, what is your number five top moment of the scream series?
3: So this was, uh, this was incredibly difficult. Um, for me, um, because it's funny. I was actually, one of my friends actually ranked all like 120 scenes in all four of the, like the first four movies of scream. Um, oh from, my. yeah,
1: God, and I, I,
3: I've watched I've done two marathons like over Christmas break. And I've been trying to rank my list and it's it's I'm still not done with it. And I've kind of tried to add five in and it's it's a mess. Um, but, you know, since uh, I'm going to give I'm going to throw the, the new movie a little bone here because I do want to mention it because I do really, really love the new movie. Um, I'm actually picking something I don't think anybody will have. Um, my favorite scene in the new movie, which I'm picking for number five, is actually Gale and Dewey's scene um, that they have um, together.
1: Oh, so beautiful. Yeah, it was powerful.
4: Yeah, that one's really you good.
3: You know, my favorite thing about Scream, which is, uh, again, people, horror people will be look at me and be like, what? Um, I love scenes when a character is just kind of talk and they get to the like they really develop and they're emotions come out and their their traumas come out. Uh, it's a huge theme with me and like, if you listen to my show you'll hear me talking, referencing things like the police station scene with Sydney and Kincaid and stuff like that. Um, but this scene with Gale and Dewey in Scream 5 is such a pivotal moment because it fills us in on everything that happened between 4 and 5 um, and it, it allows uh, the, the Cox-Arquette marriage to all kind of like work through their issues on screen and therapeutically exhale in a way. Um, and, you know, it provides such a cl- moment of closure for the, this couple that has meant so much to fans. But also, uh, you know, it really sets up Dewey's arc that will happen in the next scene where he says he tells Gail that he feels like a failure uh, and he feels like a coward. And, uh, you know, then that goes into, oh, you know, that sets him up literally to not be a coward in the next scene. And he, that's how his arc is fulfilled. And I li- I've seen the movie five times and I've cried every single time um, during this scene, like it just, I'm just a bucket. of I I cried.
1: I cried my, my every time I I saw it three times, every time when she gets out of the car and you see that red suit and she goes towards him every time that emotional connection that we have to these characters. And, and I know that so many fans agree with this, that they're kind of the core of this series in a weird way, you know, aside from Sydney, it's just their relationship throughout is something that we always look forward to.
2: I, I cried for a different reason. It was, Decision to, to kill his character off. That's why I cried during that scene. Oh, okay. Well, you better we'll write for... decision. Well,
3: can I just uh defend? Can I counter you for a second? Like, hit me, hit me. I'm, <laughs> I'm I, I so back like when COVID started, before, right before they started filming, I actually just kind of for fun made an outline because I was bored during COVID of what I would do if I was writing Scream 5. And the first thing I did was I, I killed Dewey, yeah, Be- without even adding the new cast in, killing Dewey. Just makes such sense from a plot p- perspective. I it agree organically mm-hmm. pushes the story forward. It gives Sydney and Gail relevancy. It, you know, it, it you don't have to force them into anything. The story naturally goes when you take him out of the equation and that's the brilliance of it. Like, uh, you know, TV shows do this all the time. Like the good wife did this, they killed off their male lead and it just affected all of the, the characters in diff- a different way. And that's kind of what happened here. And, um, I, I, I love Dewey. Uh, I, I, it was, I was sad to see him go, but I think his arc, was uh, almost flawlessly done here, um, with his characterization of where he is in his life, and then that, that you know that, that moment of crystallization I kind of talked about earlier uh, w- with this Gale and Dewey scene.
2: No, I, I totally I respect that, but uh, mm. hashtag it
3: should have been Gail. <gasps> no, okay. Oh, oh
1: no. Oh, See, no. what I what I love what Ryan just said was that exactly what I said to you last week, and they're all like you're wrong.
2: Why
3: would you kill off Gail? Why? No. It propels. It
2: propels.
3: Not in the same His way.
2: character forward, but not Sydney. Because I feel like if they would have killed Gale off, right? And me and my buddy lito had a, had a full discussion about this today. If they would have killed Gale off, you would have had an even more broken. Because Dewey's already broken at the beginning of this, right? You would have had a more broken version of him in the hospital, crying. Probably they would have. Another beef I have with Scream Five is that is that they. It's like these characters get over death so quickly, and it's like, okay, it's time to get to the next scene. I feel like there would have been more of an emotional impact with his character. And then Nev shows up, you know, Sydney shows up, hey, I feel like you could use me. You know, this is where we get together. This is going to be for Gale. It's essentially the same outcome, but a character that Dewey was the only character that was organic to scream five. I felt like because he was still in Woodsboro, it could have he could have been the constant in the series, like the Doctor Loomis. But that's
3: that's how I feel. So I actually remember your Doctor Loomis comment, and I really I I, I kind of like that. But at the same time, I, I you know apples and oranges. Like I uh, you know yes, Dewey was organic because he was in Woodsboro. But that's exactly why he had to go because you take him out of the equation, you draw Sydney and Gail in, and uh, you know honestly, people are not ready to let Gail go, especially if she is successful. It's different to kill off Dewey when he is unhappy and his life is kind of in ruins and he has the moment where he does get to be the hero. But if you kill off Gail honestly, they knew, the writers knew what they were doing by keeping Sydney and Gail together and as the heroes of the, of the story with the, with the new cast, because um, Sydney and Gail on my show, I, one of the questions I ask every single person who comes on is who's your favorite member of the trio. And uh, it's almost 50, 50 Gail almost. I I think Matt. So Tyler Gillette, the one of the directors, he, he said Dewey um, and there was maybe like one or two other people, but almost it's uniformly um, Sydney and Gail. So. I respect
2: it. I respect
4: huh?
1: it. Well then, so moving on to you, Brady. <laughs> it's
4: me. Be ratty. Bratty. For, for my boy, Brody, for your Brody. number five. So my number five actually takes up right after Ryan's pick. Um, and it's got to be Dewey's death scene. Oh. Because for me, and like you guys know on here, like Scream is a big franchise for me. It's what really got me into horror. Late in life and I have this weird special attachment to the original trio and I think we all knew going to, into this Dewey was going to die like he had to die in this movie but it still didn't make it any easier and so for me the scene in, in the theaters where I cried was when Dewey gets killed and his phone's ringing and it's Gale calling him It's just so powerful to me and it is him bucking up against the thoughts of him being a coward he's going back, he's following the rules, he's trying to finish the job and he gets killed so I I just I love it, Uh, I think it was the perfect send off for Dewey and David Arquette, Uh, I know it's it's definitely what he wanted I think the kill is brutal and great and yeah, it's definitely stuck with me, even the second viewing, I was not prepared for it, so I, I really love it and I would argue that it would, if you had put Gail in this scene, I don't think I would have felt the same type of emotion I that wouldn't. I do for this. I would I have been like, eh, it doesn't really make sense to kill off Gail. it doesn't really give Sydney, like, everything Ryan said. I, I really don't think it, it draws the characters into it and, and ups the Annie, you know? Well,
3: and can I just emphasize a point you had? Um, not to cu- cut anybody off here. Yeah, go for it. Um, I, it's it, not only is it the fact that Dewey's being butchered and stabbed; it's the fact that Gale is calling him as he's dying. Yeah. That is just the most heartbreaking thing, and it's the it's the the cherry on top that makes this scene a masterpiece.
4: Yeah, exactly. So that's that's my number five. Jeremy has left the conversation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, Jeremy, it's time for you and your number motherfucking five.
2: Number five for me is. Cotton Weary's demise in the opening of Scream 3. Oh, oh shit! So Dude, you put so a good. Scream 3 scene Dude. on your list. When I yes. look at Scream 3, right, I feel like the opening and the ending of, of the film are just so strong. The middle, there's some parts that I can do without, but the opening and the ending are just brilliant. I love them. I mean, there's so much suspense in this as he's weaving in and out of traffic trying to get home because his wife is about to get butchered. You know, um, he knows that Ghostface is in the house. He can't get in touch with her. I mean, it's it's just a nail biter, and I love it. I mean, and any time a Creed song just starts playing from a stereo, you know My shit's man. about to get real. Hashtag Creed rules, I mean, motherfucker. Bring it up, Hashtag dude. Creed you got forever. you got a you know half naked chick, and all of a sudden you
4: hear what else? What <laughs> I just I mean, want to say, if I'm going to get murdered in a movie, I want it to be decreed. Decreed. It has to be decreed. It has Creed. to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we find out that he's got a successful television show, 100% Cotton. I love the name. <laughs> the best <laughs> so fucking name. So
1: fucking funny. best name ever. I want a t-shirt. that. I want that logo I, on that t-shirt.
2: I mean, dude, the internet exists, and I bet you that shirt... Exists
3: somewhere. Let us make
1: it, dude. Ryan, I does that shirt exist?
3: To you guys, I've never seen a 100% cotton shirt, but I, it's out there oh. for sure. It has to. It has to be. Um, <laughs> uh. But I love I love that you picked the opening for Scream 3 because it is, you know, people talk about the openings. Scream 3 kind of gets the shorthand because 1 and 2 are amazing. The openings of those, and they're so different and they're so, you know, uh, they're Kevin Williamson's masterpieces in a way. But I Scream 3 is my personal favorite of the series. Yes. Um, and I love the fact that it starts with cotton. Not just, everything that you you said, like, the suspense, it's brilliantly directed and um, cut, but also it's so important why Cotton has to go first because this is a story about Maureen Prescott, and where do you start, you know, other than Cotton, you know, with that story?
2: Sure. What's, what's really rad about it, too, is that now the killers have, like, these vocal emulation talk boxes where they can do other people's voices. So it's like Ghostface that's doing Cotton Weary's voice and – Dude, it's Which just, at the time
1: was a, a huge issue for fans. Fans hated that. That was one of the biggest problems people had with that movie was that whole voice changer box.
2: It's, it's and, still And, and now that, that technology, yeah, and now that technology, like, super exists. I mean, fucking Val Kilmer somehow is talking and sounding like himself again. So, I mean, anything is possible. Kids. I mean, my
1: kid, when she was six, you know, like, 12 years ago or whatever had Mm -hmm. a thing on her phone where she could sound like all these different celebrities. So it's, it's you know, realistic. It's more plausible now, probably. At
4: Walmart, I bought a Darth Vader mask and I sounded just like Darth Vader. (laughs) Brady,
1: Brady, not relevant. All right, sorry. Do you need me to put you in your footy pajamas and put you to bed yet? I already got them on. Bottoms are on.
3: (laughs) You guys are crazy. Like, you guys have such a wild show. (laughs) We're a little bit nutty. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah, so that's fantastic pick. Ryan, Honestly, don't
3: you go blaming the movies? I'm good. Okay, I'm good.
1: All right. I, I, I can't believe you mentioned Scream Three on your list, but yeah, seriously, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna tug on that beer next time I see you. Uh, my number five is from Scream Four, Jill's Ghost faced Reveal. And mm. uh, for me it's definitely one of the most memorable and significant scenes of that movie. I love Scream 4, I saw it in theaters opening night. And there were 10 other fucking people in the theater where I lived at the time. And I was one of the only people really excited for it. And for me, at least, this scene is like up until this point, you know, Sydney still can't predict who the next killer is going to be. And this connection to find out it's yet another family member is such an emotionally charged moment. It's like in the end, no matter what she does in her life. No matter where she goes, where she runs to, she can't ever truly escape this haunted past that's really just going to keep going after her or keep connecting to her in some way. Um, she just has to keep defeating it, uh, like this empowered, badass final girl that she is. And like, it, it also has so much to say still about our current society, you know, true crime buffs and the obsession about getting famous for murder and our obsession with these serial killers. I mean... Look on Netflix, look on Hulu, look anywhere. All these new serial killer documentaries, what's trending, what's in the top 10? It's all about serial killers. Anytime there's a new Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy, you name it, an unknown killer, that shit is trending. And I think the movie has a lot to say about that. And I just love the moment. It's so powerful and it's great because honestly, for me at least, as much as I love Stream 4, I feel like the majority of Sydney's time in that movie is left standing around doing kind of not much. So the ending scene, at least emotionally at its core is very powerful. So I had to include that. And also fucking Emma rules, dude. I love her. So I, you know, we know what her fate is at the end of that movie, but I get why fans are, are calling to have her come back in the next one.
2: You know, it's, it's not too far fetched that she would, uh, be one of these, these violent characters considering in, in real life, she was like beating the shit out of, uh, Fucking uh, Evan Peters, so mm. you know, there's that. Ooh, there's some yeah. plausibility to that. Real I knew gossip. nothing about
1: this. Oh, I shut knew up! Really? About this. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Knew nothing about. Yeah, look it up. This. Yeah.
2: came out a couple <laughs> years ago. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Police showed up. Well, <laughs> police showed up and he was. She was like beating him. So it's like, all right, well, Scream Four is a lot more plausible now.
3: Got it. It's <laughs> it, you know, in it's a great scene, and it's she's she's a she's almost the perfect killer. Like I think Jill is. From my perspective, one of the most probably the most popular killer out of anybody, even even Billy Loomis, is like Billy will probably always be the consensus. But Jill has so many diehard fans. And uh, for everything that you said, uh, uh, Justin, it's uh, she's an amazing that's an amazing scene. And what she does in that scene where she mutilates herself is totally uh, it's one of the most memorable um, scenes in any screen movie.
1: And, and honestly, I have to give my wife some credit because when I was sitting down to do this list, she knew how difficult it was. But she's such a huge fan of part four. But the day after she saw the new one, she was like, I want to watch four again. And we did. And she was like, I love that character. Mm-hmm. And when we were, I was doing this list, I was like, what's your favorite, you know, like out of this movie? And she brought it up and I was like, you're, you're totally right with that. Like it's probably the most powerful, at least like thematically in terms of characters and that family connection that Sydney's, you know, we saw what happened in three and you know, the whole thing starting off with her mom, that whole family connection. Um, it rings true. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's why I had to include it. But back to you, Ryan, for your number four.
3: Okay. Um, so I'm (laughs) going to pick, uh, uh, the stab three set chasing where Sydney stumbles her way onto the, um,
1: Oh my God. I love this scene so much. The stab
3: three set. And she, uh, you know, she walks through Stu's house and then, uh, she relives, uh, kind of her first moments in scream one where she's in her bedroom and she's then attacked again by the killer. And it's so meta, you know, but it's also some of the most psychologically daring, Um, Scenes. It's probably the most psychologically challenging scenes that Wes Craven ever did as a filmmaker. Is you know she is hearing you know the sounds of Billy and Stu in her head. She's hearing her mom. She's seeing her uh, the recreation of her mom's body bag. Um, It's one of it's probably Nev Campbell's best performance um, of her career in that in this sequence. And uh, it just has this big crescendo. It's a show stopping sequence. I uh, you know it's it's really the centerpiece of the movie where. All, and besides the finale you know Scream 3 is, has a, such a complicated plot you have Sydney's storyline you have the Maureen Prescott backstory and then you have the Stab 3 storyline and this is the sequence this 10 minutes is where all three converge and i think that's why it's such a like a show stopping sequence
1: mm-hmm. i have to admit this scene almost made my list oh. i i mm-hmm. definitely thought about adding this one because when i rewatched 3 recently before i saw the new one this scene really sticks out to me. Like actually reliving these moments on a movie set, Mm -hmm. but for real was so crazy.
3: And like, you know, Sydney's whole storyline in Scream three is she is stuck in this place of trauma with, you know, um, you know, in about her mother and she can't move past this and all the trauma she's endured. And she literally gets, has to relive it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's so brilliant.
1: Fantastic pick Brady. On to you for your number four.
4: Yeah, I really like what you said, Ryan, about the the trauma in Scream Three because I think it also I love Sydney Prescott. Like I I think she's my favorite final girl. And I love that you get to watch a character go through all of these films at different stages of dealing with her own trauma and having to relive it in various ways. Um we haven't talked about it much on here since I've been on here, but Scream 2 is one of my favorite horror films ever, and especially in this series. So for my number four, um, before I get into it, I just want to talk about the, the, the traumatic aspect of it. I always loved this film because it's Sydney trying to deal with living a normal life. Yeah. Right, So in Scream 3, you have her trying to seclude herself and trying to get away from it all and make sure nobody else gets hurt. But in Scream 2, she's just like, look, I got to get over what happened in Woodsboro. I just need to move on. Despite everybody around her, Dewey shows back up, Cotton shows back up, and they're like, something's happening. She's like, no, I I have to get through it. And I think that's just such a powerful tale of how strong she is and what she has to go through. Um, So I'm really glad you brought that up about Scream 3 because I, I, I just... I love her so much and her character, and I, th- I think any movie you get her in, she's great. But my number four was really hard because I-, I really had to think about all the moments in the Scream series that stuck out to me. And when I think of Scream, what do I think of? So this one took me back to Windsor College from Scream 2. They're in the cafeteria. And. I'm surprised? Boyfriend. Jeremy's not singing already. Derek. I
3: think I love you, <laughs> but what am I so
2: afraid of? I'm afraid that I'm not sure of love. There is no cure for.
1: Exactly. We had I to have singing it. in this episode. There has I to be singing it.
2: in every episode. Well, I, I did it, the "What If" again from Creed. So he did. Now yeah, that's,
4: he did a that's a twofer. That's a twofer now. A new one though. A new one. You can't one. sing there in the go. next episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think it's just great, and it's so. Out there and funny and breaks up the tension and like every time it comes on I have to just get up and sing too <laughs> so uh, it, it's probably one of my favorite scenes from that movie but definitely from the entire series wow. so that's me and that's number four
2: that is a great pick that is wow. ghost, I, ghost faceless I, so that that's I, I, I wasn't I'm expecting that yeah. at all well,
3: actually you know that's that's me well, and <laughs> <'cause> expect <laughs> the unexpected you know Scream 2 like that is uh, that scene is kind of like uh, you know Reviled by a lot of fans, thinking like thinking that it's cheesy. I've always loved it. I I think it's a very lovely, warm scene. Uh, especially, I love how you like start out by saying, "Oh yeah, Sydney's going through all this trauma and scream tune. She's trying to deny it, but here's a really happy scene about her." Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I I love I love that you included that. So good for you.
4: I just think it's great because I love the character of Derek. I think throughout the whole movie, he's such a stand up guy. Mm. And even in the scenes where it, it seems like he's a little pushy, he still gives her her space, and he's like, sure, if this is what you want, I'm not happy about it, but I'll do it. He bites his lip a few times, and he has bites to, you know... He
0: bites his lip. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah, he's a good he,
4: guy. He, You know, he gets a little drunk at a party, it's not really his fault, but hey, we've all been there.
0: I'm
1: there right now,
4: what are you fucking talking <laughs> about?
1: <laughs> oh, God. Alright, Jeremy, you, for y'all. Number four.
2: Yeah, so... Justin, you were bringing up Scream Four and and the fact that you went to go see it in a theater that had like ten people. I think you said in it nine or nine, nine or, or ten. 10 yeah. Or so yeah. I I saw Scream Four opening night, right? And and that noise right there, is is the noise that people who sat near me in the theater probably heard. Sparkling water? No, but mine was <laughs> mine was beer. I, oh, okay. I snuck beer in the theater because this was before Alamo Draft House was around, so it was like. AMC Theaters, you know, by Potomac mm. Mills. And oh, so we, uh, yeah, we we snuck some beers in and it was like, fuck yeah, we're getting a new Scream movie. And I had such a great time with it. Um, and my list has probably changed since this film, you know, Scream 4 came out. But at that time I was like, dude, that's the definitive sequel. Like it felt the most like the original Scream to me at the time that I watched it. Um, and a scene that I was just really, really surprised at uh, was Olivia Olivia's death scene in Scream 4. I mean, there's the buildup where Ghostface is making you think that he's in the room with Kirby and, and Jill, and he's like, oh, I'm in the closet. And then come to find out, the house right across from them where Olivia lives, Olivia's looking out the window, she's on the phone, she's like, what's going on? And Ghostface pops out of the closet there, and it's one of those situations where... Jill and Kirby have to watch as Olivia dies. There's, no, they're so close yet so far away. There's nothing they can do about it. You know, Sydney tries to intervene, but I mean, dude, it's such a brutal scene. I mean, you know, when we watched Scream Five, we talked about that that hand stab moment because th- the way that that was filmed was much different than we had gotten hand stabs in, in previous Scream movies. And this, th- very true. This scene had the hand stab, but it was very, very quick. But it was just such a brutal scene. And, I mean, we even had, like, almost like a Dario Argento moment where uh, Olivia is is thrust out the window and her body hangs out the, the window with this broken shards of glass. Like, I just, I think it's such it, a it's great. It's definitely
1: by far one of the most brutal Ghostface moments.
2: Absolutely, series, for sure, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. And, I mean, even the way that Ghostface moved in that scene was just, there was a brutalness about it. And it's it was just such a great moment for not only the Scream franchise, but for a slasher film,
1: period. So that's my number four. 100%. And, well, great pick. My number four is a moment for me that I felt like I finally connected with characters on the screen in front of me. And it's from Scream 2. It's the film class sequels discussion. Hmm. Um, This scene may be... The first time i saw characters in a movie talk like i did about movies at that time in my life and even now you know the debate on sequels is literally imprinted onto my memory it's also top-notch randy who still to this day is in my top five characters and god rest his soul i listen i know i know jamie kennedy did a voice at the end of the scene of the new one but i was like Maybe Randy's still alive. Y'all want <laughs> Stu, y'all want Billy. I'm like, maybe Randy, maybe there's a chance. But, um, you know, Jamie Kennedy really took what he did in the first movie and went for the throat in the second movie. Ever after seeing this movie, me and all my friends, like basically recreating the scene whenever we talked about movies because it was such an entertaining scene. Joshua Jackson in there and just, you hadn't seen people in a movie like talking about sequels and the fact that they're to have dialogue riffing on the cultural significance and quality of sequels in a fucking sequel and have it turn out so entertaining is absolute genius. And, uh, still to this day, whenever that scene comes up and honestly, Randy's the hero in this scene, even though he does get the line, Jamie Kennedy did get the line from aliens wrong. Mm, yep. Cause it was wrong in the, in the actual script. Um, which he didn't know until recently on his YouTube channel, he was like, "Oh shit, I did that wrong," but for me at least, like, then it leads to him walking outside with Sid and doing the British accent, and it and, been and, a and, good and, one too. And, and Kennedy, Kennedy didn't even know; it. he just brought it out. And there's interviews of West talking about how he loved that that Jamie did that, and it was just like ad libbed and random. And I just love Randy so much, so I had to include like one of his best scenes. So it's the film class. Sequels discussion.
4: Yeah. Awesome. Good pick.
2: That's awesome, dude. I, I had real, real quick. I had two. I've met Jamie Kennedy twice, and I've hey. had both experiences were so wildly different.
1: <laughs> but uh, I just I feel please like please don't ruin them. I've never met him, but I want to meet oh, him. Oh, dude. So, bad. so the first
2: time that I met him, I went to Pennsylvania. He was uh, doing his stand up comedy, and mm. I much like right now. You know, I was I was bearded up and. At comedy shows, I sit front row cuz I'm like, you know what? If you're going to fucking if you're going if you're going to roast me, I want to hear it. I mean, you can't roast me more than I than I roast myself. So let me hear what you got. So, dude, literally the first thing he said on stage was a, he acknowledged me the moment he got on stage. He was like, "Oh, look, you got a beard. I, I got a beard too. We're, we're beardos." And he dapped me up and then he started his show. And I was like, "All right, well, that was awesome." So, after the show, um I had my scream shit and stuff. So I was like, hey, man, like, would you mind signing it? And he was—he like, signed. Didn't oh, he of course. He signed. Of course. Yeah. He was so nice, dude. He was like, oh, where are you from? And I told him, I was like, dude, I live right outside of Washington, D.C. And he was like, oh, man, like hit me up on Twitter. He was like, next time I, I come to do a show there, like we should link up beforehand. And I was like, oh, that's that's really cool, man. So he signed my stuff and I had a great experience. Right. The next time I met him was maybe like two years later, and it was at a oh, wh- no. it was at a Horrorhound convention. Oh and no. He was he was fucked up. I don't know what he was fucked up on, but he was fucked up. And like, dude, there was like a chick that was in front of me. Um, no, I'm sorry, she was behind me, uh, and she was like, she was a cute chick, you know. And so like, I like put down my poster, and I was like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" Um, you know, like I met you at a comedy show, and he's like, "Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Hey, hey, what's up, girl? How you doing?" how you doing? <laughs> and like started talking to the chick that was behind <laughs> me. And I was like,
0: Oh, oh yeah, man, your,
2: out. your, uh, your show was really great. He was like, yeah, that's cool. Hey, what are you getting signed? And I was like, Oh, he doesn't give a fuck. He sees a chick that's hot and he's like, all right, get this nerd fucking dork out of my way. I want to talk to her. So I was like, cool, man, can you just sign this? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He signed it, and I was like, well, that was a wildly different experience than the last time.
4: So, <laughs> so because I came to horror so late, when I first saw Scream, I was like, oh, that's the dude from uh, Son of Mask.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: my
4: God.
2: <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I don't think
1: I don't think I ever saw that movie.
4: Yeah, you're All not missing through. much. Nobody saw that. Movie. Don't don't worry about it. I, I saw Brady. it multiple times. Right. <laughs>
3: I just want to echo like I love Randy in Scream 2. I think his performance and like his whole character in Scream two just advances and then what he builds on what he did in Scream one. I, I love I adore him in Scream two. So
2: yeah, he's he's fantastic in
1: that. Yeah. So we're down to number three. So top three, baby. Let's get it, Ryan. What's your number three? All
3: right. So how many of us are picking Casey Becker in the top three? All of us. Uh, yeah.
1: I don't want to spoil it. Our listeners can't see it.
3: Okay. Well, I was I, she. I was gonna put Casey Becker at number three, um, but I've did, I've done a whole show on Casey Becker. Like I, you know, I. I don't mind letting somebody else talk about Drew Barrymore, uh, and that that amazing opening sequence. So I'm gonna talk about another scene from Scream One that I really love. And I I actually think this is like in my heart my favorite of this of the of the movie, even though the opening of the movie is such a masterpiece. Um there's a scene oh,
1: my ears are open. I can't wait to hear what you're
3: gonna <laughs> say. <sighs> again, weird scene, but Sydney and Gail have this conversation about um, you know, about their history outside of school after she gets punched in the face. And I actually think this is Kevin Williamson's best written scene that he's ever done. It is so concise and informs us, like, about the future, informs us about the past. The exchange is so good. Like, the way that Wes shoots it with their faces, it's so tight, and uh, it's a brilliantly written scene. So, like, honestly, if you're, if anybody out there is wanting to do screenplay writing, watch this scene and see what Kevin does with it and how he structures his, and builds his characters with this one scene. Uh, I think it's, I think it's amazing. And uh, it's actually the first, It's the first time I think I really fall in love with Gail, um, which is something which is really saying something, uh, you know.
1: Well, it's also I think I feel like in terms of the first movie, it's also the first time that you look at her as a normal human being because she shows some compassion and some relatability. And they actually have this connection, this weird connection that we will learn to love throughout the series. And we we actually get to at the end of the first one. But up until that point, they don't have that. Mm. And you can see where they're connecting So actually, that was one on the back end of my list that I actually wanted to include like every one of their meeting scenes in every single movie because they're always so good because Wes did such a great job of framing them and building them up. And that's what I loved about uh, the new movie so much. I just wish that there had been more time for us to sink in, you know, their meeting again, because it obviously had been a few years. but. It is what it is. We got new characters and stuff. I just every time they get together, it's always so special for
3: me. It's isn't it amazing like that they have like th- th- this relationship is so complex between Cindy and Gail. Like in it over the 5 minutes so. like I I it's almost, I don't even I don't even think that they meant to make it so complex, but it's just naturally unfolded this way just with good writing and uh you know, I, I'm so proud of this relationship and the way that it evolves from the the punch to you know Sydney and Gale hugging each other, crying about Dewey. Like it's so, it's so amazing. Like you say, every time they meet, it's so, it's so funny how they meet each time, and each time it carries such different weight. Um, even like their hugs, like in Scream three to Scream four, there's, there's a lot, of, there's a different meaning with each of their hugs. So I, I agree with, I agree. So,
0: yeah,
1: Brady.
4: God, it's always so fucking hard to follow Top three. Ryan.
1: Top three. Well, it's uh, gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard. He's he he's the guy that's like he's, mean, the he's, go the to. Guy, so he's the go-to. Um, so he's you know, <laughs> scream. It's a thing. But that's why I put you on here. That's why I wanted you to be a part yeah, of this because I know yeah, how much yeah. you love scream, and it's, it's so important scream, to you. Yeah.
4: So my number three. Uh, it's my turn to show some love to scream three. And I have to go with the ending. Like we talked about it in the last round. I I love. Sydney's development I mean really all the characters go through really great development but I love that at the end of 3 after everything Sydney's been through you think it's the last movie you're gonna get and she's going through the motions of you know the gate is no longer alarmed she leaves it open she gets home and you're getting all these cues like somebody's gonna pop out but everybody's just there that loves her I mean McSteamy's there waiting for her to come in for the movie it's great and then the wind blows the door open and instead of going over and arming it and closing it, she just walks away. She's ready to start her new life. She's beaten Ghostface, plural Ghostfaces. She's <laughs> she's just a strong fucking woman, and she's been through so fucking much, and she's still like, you know what? It's okay. I've done it. I'm gonna let that door stay open. I'm not gonna let it tear me anymore. I'm not gonna let it hold me back. And I just I've always found that super pow- powerful. Powerful, and how it fades to black. It's just it's great. I think it's a perfect ending. I love Scream 4. I really like the new movie. So I'm not upset that they continued making them. But even though I have a lot of issues with Scream 3's middle portions, I love the opening and I love the ending. And I would have been completely satisfied if they had ended it that way. So that's my number three.
3: Music to Wonderful my pick, ears. My like, oh, I love that. So.
4: Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I,
1: I feel like that ending doesn't get enough love, actually. It's so powerful, actually. When you see, like you said, Brady, you know, that open up that gate and her walking through with her dog and then just walking in and just comfortably walking into her home.
4: Because you're you're trained as the audience to be like, why are you leaving that open? He's going to get in. Somebody's going to come in now. There's Maybe, still five the minutes opened? left in the yeah. movie. Yeah. And I guess you could say it's like, oh, we're leaving it open for the sequel. But I, I didn't take it that way. I, I looked at it as it's... Her leaving the door open to the rest of her life, and she's saying all these things that have happened. I don't have to let that hold me back and let that define me. I can continue to live a life that free from fear. And,
3: and like I, I think kind of what you're alluding to is like especially like the epilogue of after they leave the mansion and they're really at Sid's house the next day. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, you have Galen, uh, you have Galen Dewey in that in their engagement, which is so epic and beautiful and romantic. And then you have Sydney's moment with the gate. Like I feel like there is such a sense of finality and epicness in that you know uh, in warmth you know in that uh, in that epilogue and Wes Craven is so beautifully filmed Uh, I I absolutely adore I think that ending is flawless so
1: yeah I think we have to go around the table right now and maybe claim that that may be the most warm ending to a Wes Craven (laughs) horror movie ever fucking ever seriously Mm -hmm. like it feels like it, it feels like episodic television but at the same time you're so connected to these characters and it's so well done you're like oh my god I feel this warmth and comfort in this moment. And then, like Brady said perfectly, it fades to black and it's done. Mm -hmm. You know, we've already gone through complete hell with these characters. And I think Wes did the best job he possibly could with what was given to him in that movie. And I think that ending is perfect. Obviously, it was a long time until we got Scream 4, but perfection. Yeah. Jeremy, on to your...
2: Uh, number three. So before I get to my number three, I need oh, everybody no. that's listening. Oh, God. I need everybody that's listening to Google Patrick Dempsey crashes wedding because that was my cousin's <laughs> wedding that I was at. Uh, they kind of sensationalized oh.
1: it. Are you fucking serious? No. Why have you never told me this Dude, before? You're hearing it right he now. Actually, you're hearing he it actually, right now. It, 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 this is for real No, this is that for real. was just the movie no, no, no. This, <laughs> That was not
2: <laughs> So this this is for real And not only that, but he was on the Ellen DeGeneres show And talked about the experience Of like He was vacationing with his family At a ski resort in Utah My cousin and his now wife uh, Were getting married there So what happened was It was like something out of a movie, literally Patrick Dempsey is walking off, of, off of, uh, A ski slope, right? And they're taking their bridal engagement Or their bridal uh, photos So it's like all the bridesmaids and shit like that He comes off, he takes his fucking beanie off And it's like, you know, his McSteamy, you know, beautiful hair He's looking, and they're like, oh my fucking god That's Patrick Dempsey, so they were like You can't
1: mistake they were that like, face they were for like, anybody else They were like, oh my god, no. can
2: you come over and take pictures with us And he was like, no, 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 this is your special moment And they are like, no, like, you have to you, Like, this is, you're gonna make it even more special So he came over and he took pictures with them um, and I met him in the ski lodge. So, uh, I don't know who was more excited to meet him, me or my dad.
1: I can't believe you've never told me this story. How dare you never tell me that a lot you've of, met this beautiful man. I got a lot of stories.
4: I thought we were friends, Jeremy. I thought we were friends too. We went through we a, a podcast lot together we and you've couple never told me about got a, I got a, I got a lot, of,
2: lot of stories. So I walk up to him. Um, he's got his son <sighs> with him or his kid. Um, and I'm like, Hey Patrick, I'm a huge fan. Is there any way that I can get a picture with you? <laughs> And, dude, it was just in the ski
1: lodge, bro. Of course bro. you did. Of course. Of course yeah, you. yeah. So, Yo, so got, he goes. No, Scream 3. Let me ask you no, this. No, no, hold Did on. you
4: stand oh, outside yeah. of the wrong ski lodge for three hours? No, no. <laughs> okay. That's a different All story. Right. So,
2: um, I, I said, can I can I get a picture with you? And he goes, look, man. He said, I, I I, thank you so much, and I appreciate it, and I love that you're a fan. he goes, dude, the moment I take a picture with you in here, he goes, I'm going to become, like, the shopping mall Santa Claus where, like, people are going to start coming up to me. And he was like, and I'm just like, like. Not trying to do that And I was like dude I'd be like I'll sit on your lap I I completely understand (laughs) And like we we shook hands And I thanked him And I swear to God On my life I will put my hand On a bible I said I loved you In Scream 3 (laughs) And he was And he was (laughs) like I swear to God I swear to God On my life And he was like Thank you very much And I was like As I walked away I I told my little brother I was like I wonder how many people Have ever just Like out of his entire Body of work How many people Have told him I love you In Scream 3 Like to his face so, uh, yeah, look I am it up. So much more look proud it up, and he, dude, to have,
1: look up. To have you on this show,
2: <laughs> dude? Look up Patrick Dempsey wedding Ellen DeGeneres, and like they they show the pictures of him and my cousin's wife Zoe, like on the Ellen DeGeneres. So, so there you go, dropping dropping some uh, some story bombs on you guys. So,
1: so that's, that's your that's awesome. your moment. That's your moment.
2: No, that's not my moment. So number three, sorry, I had to. I, had to, I mean, dude, I had that, to fucking. Does had, that count? No, I mean, it can count if you want it to count. But uh, I had to fucking tell you guys that story because you know that was that was news to you guys. So my number three though has has nothing to do with Scream Three. It uh has to do with Jada Pinkett Smith's scene as Maureen in the mm. opening of Scream Two. I mean, dude. They're in a theater watching literally the beginning of the first film that we've already watched. You'll be stealing from me. It was stealing. It was meta as shit, and I was like, "Oh man!" Like here we are in the beginning of Scream Two, and we have these characters that we're being introduced to that are watching the events of the previous Scream that we've already you know lived through by watching the film. Um, Jada Pinkett Smith's uh, her performance in in this scene was. Unbelievable. Like such a so huge performance to her. I mean, dude, when she gets you know stabbed, all of the veins in her body are bulging. Just her reaction to it just felt so so real. Towards you felt it because her performance was brilliant.
1: So she had some good practice. She had Demon Knight leading that's, up to this. That's so. very true. Mm, My boy Billy practice. Zane. Yeah. That's 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 true. Yeah. You know, so
2: like here's this character that is in this really rowdy theater uh, of these people that are so excited for this movie. That's based on true events and she's getting stabbed, but because the audience is so crazy, they don't realize she's being stabbed. And it's that moment in the horror film where you're, you're screaming at the screen and it's, it's, it's happening right in front of you. I just, I think it was brilliant and it was just such an incredible way to start off the first sequel to scream. Like, have you guys been to any, any, uh, screenings or, uh, movies that have had a rowdy audience like that before.
4: Ever? Yeah, I have. The Night House.
1: Well, I tried to do that both of you guys were at my screening of the original scream mm-hmm. at Alamo Draft DC area when I hosted a movie party. And my one stipulation was if I'm gonna host this in costume, every member of the audience, even though it's not part two, has to have a glow in the dark knife. Love it. And I got one you were there, Jeremy. Brady, you were there as well. Yeah, I Jer- got you Jeremy, all in the Dark Knives. And I said, every time there's a kill in the movie, stab at the screen. And none of y'all fucking did anything.
4: <laughs> I did one. We were I watching the, the movie, one.
1: Justin. But even so, I've tried to recreate that moment because out of all the screenings of these movies that I've seen you know, posted on social media, no one's been able to capture that moment in this movie, which I'll definitely be talking about on my list in a little bit. Uh, Fantastic pick. But no, in terms of like how chaotic and crazy, I mean, I've been to some crazy screenings of movies. I think the closest thing to this that you're referring to, Jeremy, is when I went to Yonkers to see Friday the 13th 3 in 3D with actual 3D glasses. I think that was the closest thing where people actually went hog wild and crazy. But no, that sounds so fun. And on to my number three. Well, this was already discussed earlier on, but from the new Scream, I wasn't really ready for this. But I absolutely knew the moment this movie was announced that it was going to happen. I think the fact that this character is the heart of this series and has cheated death so many times on so many occasions, it really made this moment all that more powerful and emotional for me. But it's Dewey's death scene in the news screen. Uh, it, it doesn't hurt that I feel, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that uh, David Arquette gave a series best performance in this movie. I think it's his best performance as deputy Dewey Riley. It's his best performance in this movie out of all of them. Um, and I was in tears all three times that I went to the theater to see this scene. Um, yeah. It floored me and it broke me. But I knew it had to happen. As Ryan said earlier on, I think going into this, we all knew this was the character. This, It just had to happen. We're so connected to that relationship of Dewey and Gale. And also, he's just like, when you look at the original Scream, that character shouldn't exist. I mean, in the 80s, if you looked at a character like that in a regular slasher, it would have been throwaway. It would have been terrible dialogue. It would have been totally like something you would never remember but in scream you know and we know that david said he wanted that character the most he wanted to give that character a shot this moment for me i just and i'm 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 literally trying to not like cry right now thinking about it because you know the elevator is about to go down he could get in it he can leave mm-hmm. and he's like no you got to shoot him in the head yep And they're like, whatever the dialogue is, and he's just like, I I care. Like, I need to do this. And he does it, and it's powerful. And when he goes, you're like, all bets are off. And I think that's what the new movie needed so, so much. And also... It's really hard for fans of the series to see their favorite characters go. Mm -hmm and i think i I think it hit the way that it needed to 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 push the story forward to push the movie forward to show the stakes are higher and that we're going to really give you something special and for me this was that moment
4: i would also say like after they killed him even though i think most of us knew it would happen the the final act when it's sydney and gail and everybody else at the house at stumacher's old house you're thinking, okay, well, anybody could die now. Like, Dewey's dead, so who else could they kill off? Like, they really don't, they're it's not pulling return, any punches. It's a
1: return to the Scream 2 moment when Randy gets his, you know, I, yeah. I understand that. But even more so here, because as we talked about through this whole discussion, Dewey really is so important to this, and that relationship, and the fact yeah. that it happened, like you guys said, when Gail's calling him, it really, I mean, it crushed my fucking soul. I'm sitting there like, Ugh.
3: Well, you know, and on the upside of that, on of this though, you know, in the finale, like my favorite single moment of like the finale is uh, whenever Cindy and Gail pick Amber up, like one grabs her like arms, one grabs her legs, and they throw oh, of course, her yes. over the counter. Yes, and Amber says he died like a pussy, and Gail punches her in the face. Like that, you know, that moment, like every time I've seen it, I just get this rush of adrenaline.
1: And then she says her trademark, you know, fuck
3: you, boom, exactly, <laughs> like, boom that like you know for that for these moments to pay off and have the level of satisfaction that they do You need, you know, that's a byproduct of Dewey dying. We wouldn't have that emotionally charged arc of Gale. You know, you couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. She says you killed my best friend. And I love that. I was thinking about that this morning. Like the fact that she uses the word best friend instead of husband, um, I think is so it it makes me emotional just saying it out loud. Like, you know, I think that speaks to their relationship and why they are the most epic horror couple in movie history.
1: And Mm -hmm. and, and to connect to that emotionally and personally, me and my wife, we've been best friends before we were even romantically involved. You know, we've been together for, I feel like 20 years now. And uh, she's always been my best friend, even before anything like that. So I can understand that perspective where it's like, and Jeremy, you too, with Ann, it's like, you know, and Brady, you with Paige, like, they're our best friends. They really are. You hang out and you, you have this connection, but no matter what happens in one way or the other way, it's like it's always there. So,
0: yeah.
2: If we were I'll doing a, to, uh, if we were, doing, if so we were doing a least favorite top five moments of the uh, Scream franchise, this would be, this would be on it for me. You guys know my stance.
4: I'm just going to start. I'm going to, I'm gonna, his, his, his I'm,
2: that's, I'm fine with it. I, I will fight and defend my point of view. I'm glad you guys enjoy it, man. Well,
1: I wouldn't say it's not that I enjoy it, but I feel like it needs to happen. It's it's powerful. Yeah. It's thematic. And as Ryan said, it's
3: it's impactful. Oh, and just I want to call Jeremy on air here um, because on the previous episode you guys talked about Scream. Uh, he said something to the effect of Sydney and Gail collectively have uh, 12 minutes of screen time. Um, not actual not accurate oh um, he's getting um, a call now. <laughs> oh shit because okay the screen times are my thing okay like i i actually have screen times for every single character in all four movies uh, i do you use a stopwatch what do you use? i, I have to know. so i use my yeah i use my phone i just you know and i record any time the character is speaking um off screen or they're visible on screen and um, it's, I love it. And it just, it really helps me understand the movies better too. So it's just one of my obsessions. Um, and I, I actually have the screen times for the trio because the, you know, the screen times for the trio are so like ingrained. I talk about them probably every day. Um, and I'm curious. I've been so curious about it. Uh, and the weird thing is they all kind of have about equal, you know, where Sydney has always had more In all four of the first films, she's always had significantly more than the others. Um, and uh, here, she has about 12 and a half um, herself. Gail has about t- okay. Gail has about 10 and a half. And Dewey is right in between them at 11 and a half. So they're really all neck and neck here. Um, it's su- surprising because I've, I... Sydney doesn't get the big moment here. Dewey gets the big scene and Gail gets the big emotional arc. Whereas Sydney, she's, she's very much supporting Sam or she's supporting Gail on her scenes. She doesn't really get those moments to herself. Like we saw in the original trilogy, uh, which hold, hold on. So j- just to be clear, Sydney did
2: only have 12 minutes of screen time.
3: Yes, but you're wrong because you say collectively between Sydney and Gail. So collectively they have like tw- what? 23 minutes. So you're wrong. Well, I, okay, so then I then I phrased I, no, I no, no, phrased no. that wrong. Okay, I, I mean miss- I'll I, I will I will eat the shit, <laughs> but okay, but no, but for perspective's sake, uh, so I do have Sam's as well because I'm a psychopath. Um, Sam only ha- I mean, I meant on this I show. meant we, collectively we have like, to have- I didn't mean collectively
2: for all the legacy characters. I meant collectively like like Sydney collectively has twelve minutes of screen time in the film.
3: Okay, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know about
2: your argument there, but um, I, I could have phrased it wrong, but that that was my intention with with my point. Okay. At that, but I will. I will take it. I. I like I said pre pre air. I'm I'm used to being proved wrong, so I was like ready for you to be like, fucking Sydney had 20 minutes of screen time, and I'd be like, fuck, I was way <laughs> off. So. I feel I feel a little bit better than what I was anticipating well, <laughs> you
3: were going to say. But, like, for perspective's sake, you know, and so I'm going to go through this real real quick. I don't want to take up too much time. But, like, in Scream 1, Sydney has, like, 43 minutes. Scream 2, she has 37. Scream 3, she has 33. And um, Scream 4, she has 27, I think. So it's a huge departure for her. But 12 minutes is about what Dewey has in Scream 1. So when you put it that way, it kind of, you know, it changes the perspective a little bit, I think. Sure. so.
2: Well dude thank you for uh for dropping some knowledge bombs that's
3: that's fucking awesome and that's super heavy well, that uh you're able to collect all that data man. And the thing about Gail's screen time here is I feel like I feel like Gail has more t- screen time than Cindy cuz there's such an impact with every moment she has. I think the best thing this movie does is it doesn't waste a single moment of Gail. Every single second counts. Like from the moment we just see her hair walking, you know, in that first scene of hers, like she, Courtney Cox is used to the best extreme. Um, and I can't always really say the same thing for Nev, if that makes sense.
1: For sure. Also, she's Courtney Cox. Yeah. Nev Campbell is Nev Campbell. We have to accept the fact that they're on two different levels in terms of who they are and that's going to be a certain thing and honestly I'm just happy as a fan um, film critic being aside Mm -hmm. that they all came back because they all didn't need to because they all said without Wes that it would be really difficult for them all to agree on it and like David Arquette said I kind of I I can't ever (laughs) like I know I know he's sober and everything, but like when he t he laughs and he's like oh, I could have told him I'll come in and do it. It's like I love him so much because he's so down to earth and a real guy. But he convinced them all to come in and do it. That's what he said at least. But um fantastic. We're we're down here. We're down here to the nitty-gritty guys. This is it. Top two moments. Mm. Ryan, we're starting with you. All
3: right. I'll start out with um, Gail's uh, big chase scene in um, the school in Scream 2. You know, uh, this yes. is, I, you know, I, I love this scene so much. Like this is the scene where Gail Weathers, like, I know I said this about Scream 1, but this is like the scene where she becomes Gail Weathers, like the infamous, the co-final girl. Um, you know, Courtney Cox's acting is amazing here. Uh, you know, she, her chase is great. It's, it's very suspenseful. It's choreographed beautifully. Wes directs it to the umpteenth degree. Uh, and it ends with that epic moment where we kind of think Dewey's dead and that, you know there's such power behind that so um one of the best scenes ever so
4: wow that's a really good one i think it also i think you made a really good point calling her a co-final girl because usually we associate sydney prescott as like the final girl of the series Mm -hmm. but i mean dewey gail and and sydney are all survivors Mm -hmm. throughout the series and and they all have their own really great parts They go. That into is it interesting,
1: Brady, because we don't ever hear Gail's name mentioned very no. much in the conversation for final girls at all. But as of right now, she's one of them. She always has been. So it's weird that she's not a huge part of the conversation.
4: Yeah, but I think to Ryan's point, like Scream 2 is really where it cemented her. Like Scream 1, she survives and she has a lot to do in the final act of, of Scream. But Scream 2 is really where she gets her piece as the final girl. And I think that I was talking about this to some friends a couple weeks ago, but the first one, Gail Weathers, you get this really hard-nosed reporter who you don't think she has a lot of emotions to her. She really just wants to get the story. She wants to get famous and and keep that going. And then in Scream 2, you get the softened, just a little bit version of Gail Weathers where she actually cares about Dewey. She does care about Sidney. She's there to do the story. And which, you know, is clear with her cameraman, but she also really cares about these people and, and then finds herself in a situation where she has to survive. And, and she does survive. She beats out Ghostface. Um, so I, I, I think Scream 2 really gave me a renewed sense of admiration for
3: her character. Well, and uh, like uh, Scream 2 is really the hinge of her entire character arc. You know, she changes so much in Scream 2. Uh, you know, Scream 2 does all the heavy lifting in terms of Gale and developing Gale's character. So Mm -hmm. um, I I, I, I co-sign everything you said. (laughs)
4: Um, Well, I guess it's me then, so... You're on. (laughs) Hear it. Get to it. This is
1: really It better be good, Brady. It it better be good. If it's not good, you'll never come on again.
4: Oh, I'll be banned. All right, (laughs) so... For me, number two, again... Uh, centers around Scream Two. I I, I love this movie, and, and I think it's the same with what Ryan said. Like we could all pick the Casey Becker scene if we really wanted to, because that's what everybody knows. Like when you think Scream, like you think Drew Barrymore, at least Just for me. Wait. Just wait. Just so wait. So <laughs> I, but I had to go with a much more impactful scene, and it's Scream Two and it's Randy's death scene. <sighs> Because I was not expecting this at all. And somehow I managed to not have any spoilers getting into this into the late 2010s. And when he is on the phone, it's such a great scene because you're like, yes, you're finally like stepping up. You you have this whole survivor complex, hero complex thing down. You're You're really taunting Ghostface back. And then you get slaughtered in a van after... With Cottonmouth Kings playing in the background, <laughs> not Creed, which is how he should have gone. That's right. But I, 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 just, I, I bum, think it's bum. it's a great scene, and it it, what the first time watching it, my mouth just dropped wide open because I was like, "There's no way they killed him. There's no way." And then they killed him. He's deader than dead. Like he is not coming back. I know everybody loves to think that Stu Mocker is going to come back. Jeremy, I know you're one of those people. You want Stu Very back. Much very much fuck that i don't want him back i love matthew lillard i i matthew lillard even says that he thinks the character is alive he wants just to saying. be relevant he's he wants right. the spotlight ignore him i don't want him back if i want matthew lillard i'll go watch summer catch and i'll go watch scooby-doo one and two slc punk that's it but randy's not coming back and i think that hit the hardest <laughs> after he died because it was like this dude is like who they need this is the this is a, this is the Justin of the friend group. This is the Jeremy of the friend group, and he, uh, it was just really, really sad. I, really I like how he
2: it. I like how he would let just you have that Justin. He had to incorporate me so it wouldn't hurt
1: <laughs> my feelings. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
4: well, but, hey, listen,
1: uh, he should have said your name first because J E comes first, not J. I mean, U, if we're whatever. being
4: serious here, Jeremy is the first person that got me into horror. So boom, you're I welcome. I guess it would it would be Jeremy. Um... But yeah, I, I, I just, I really love it and I'm so unprepared for it every time and I know that it was the right decision at the end of the day to move the series along and move the franchise along, uh, but it, it still sucks nonetheless and it, it still guts me every time, I much agree like with Randy you. was gutted.
1: Very much so. That, that was that moment in that movie, much like the first one where they had to do something to say, we're raising the stakes, we're serious here. The series has always been about that, like taking... That moment to say, hey, listen, we're not fucking around here. Yeah. We're going to do something here and show you, hey, listen, you love that character? Uh, They're dispensable. Uh, in terms of Randy, I mean, it's Jamie Kennedy's, let's face it, I love him to death, but it's his biggest character in anything ever. You think so? 100%. I hundred percent. I don't think so. I know so. It's I would the thing, say Malibu's thing, Most Wanted. Um. Well, he'd like to make you believe that in terms of those hoodies he's selling on his website right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of what he signs at, at conventions, you know, the fans that are all, it's Randy. It, it, it's just what it is. But fantastic peck dude. Seriously. Randy's, I, I i was the one campaigning. I'm like, bring Randy back. And I was the guy that did the meme and all that stuff, you know, whatever, like he's yeah. my spirit animal. And he's so much a part of like what we think of ourselves in terms of being a horror fan, because That was the first time in film that we saw someone that was like, dude, he's like us. That's me, you know, except for I'd already gotten laid. But that's the only difference.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And Also, like the phone call that precedes his death is so great because he's one of the first people to really take on the killer, like and kind of really give it back to him. And that that's why almost like it's so tragic, too, at the end of the day, like and except that crescendo with Gail screaming at the end of the scene. So beautifully done and devastating. It's it's such an amazing scene.
4: I like it too because it's almost in contrast to the beginning of, or not the beginning, but after Maureen is killed at the theater and Sydney gets the phone call and you think Ghostface is actually calling her mm-hmm. and she kind of gives it back and then you find out it's just a crank caller. So I think it it's really good because then in this scene you're like, oh, well, I guess it could be that, like in the back of your mind, and, and then you just know it's not after a few seconds. So
1: it's It's a heartbreaking scene. Mm-hmm. Randy R.I.P
2: R.I.P I'm going in My number two Is the opening to Scream 2022 Wow Tara mm. versus Ghostface Man this Wow This, this, this really is putting something
1: there. from I, the new Scream I, I Oh
2: my it. god Listen 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 I think Scream 2022 20, is A lot of fun I, Five I, cream, I, I, a five, cream five cream Scrum Um <laughs> I, I enjoy it I It's an entertaining film um, And I enjoy it on an entertainment level um, There's a lot of things obviously <laughs> This is the second podcast that we're Talking about the franchise You know kind of how I feel about it um, But it's a fun movie And, and I, I've told everybody Like I suggest you see it It's a really fun movie um, This was going to be a make or break it Scene for this new film And for the franchise continuing on Without West Craven Right. You
1: held my hand during this scene I'm pretty sure I remember that Oh, was I that, was that your is. hand? I thought it was something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I meant it to be my hand. I don't know
0: if it was something else. But that was pretty sure Tito's.
1: We, we held something of each other because I was like, I can't do this alone. Dude, this well, I was so... This this uh,
2: this was a make it or break it, right? Because all the Scream fans, we're in the theater and we're like, okay, this is not a Wes Craven Scream. Like, let me see what you got. I think everybody... It's kind of like, you know, Justin and I and... And Brady, I think a little bit, you know, we've all, you know, done stuff in bands and stuff. It's kind of like when you go to a concert, right? And then there's a band you've never heard of that's coming on stage. And you're like, okay, like I'm willing to give this a shot, but I'm also like willing to expect that I may be disappointed. And this, this scene, I mean, dude, I was literally fist pumping because I felt that the directional style was, was, Way different than than Wes Craven's, and I, 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 f- I found it kind of refreshing, because I'm like, I don't want... If you're taking over the franchise and you're trying to continue it on and breathe new life into it, I don't necessarily want you to copy every play in Wes Craven's book. Bring me something new. And this, I mean, we got a brutal fucking ghost face, a mean-spirited mm-hmm. ghost face that is just really, really going out of his way to inflict pain on Tara. You know, this was the first... Kill right. The first kill has always been very important to the scream films. Well, um
1: not
0: kill. Not yeah, yeah. See. But that's but that's what Attempt this was supposed back. to be. I said it wasn't a kill.
1: Attempt at a kill. That's
2: that's what this was supposed to be. That's what we expected, and she lived, which I also loved. But I just I just loved how brutal it was, and it really made me go. Okay, I kind of like. I was less tense. I was less mm. judgy
3: going into the rest of the film after this scene. Well, I, I I enjoy it. I was actually thinking about the way you're phrasing. I was thinking about this this morning. Like, if you do, you guys remember the Scream TV show? Um, I mean, yes. did you? Oh, guys, yeah. So like
1: I watched I watched the, the MTV series all the way through and I only watched the first episode of the Queen Latifah attempt at a reboot that she did. <laughs>
3: Well, I watched it all so you guys remember like they used cell phones in the same way where the, the, they did the text messaging back and forth and it's different than Scream 4 like Scream 4 texting wasn't so integral to but like I, So, you know screen this opening scene had such like a, a barrier to jump like it had to avoid all of the problems and do, Not come off cheesy like the TV show did with like the use of technology And I think it does so so successfully and like the thing about it is I was tense like you going into into it like and honestly i don't think i enjoyed it as much the first couple times i saw it because you're still like you know it, this you have to get through this scene to get to everything else um but i've grown to love the opening scene so much now now that i've kind of let go of that but um you no know, everything you said about it, it's like it's almost almost like a test you know you have to get through sure. this in order to couldn't agree more uh, they that's succeed a, that's a great way to word it but also um the thing about it too is they um, like, uh, not only do they do their own thing with it, they also allow us as fans like into their world. Like, you know, all of the questions are about stab. you know, we're all huge scream fans. Like that's almost like them saying, it's okay. We got you. Come here. You know, we're, we're friends here.
1: Um, Remember, come on in. It's like a group hug. Basically. Yeah. Like they're going to reach their arms around you and bring you in. Like, yep. you know, that we're here for you. Right. So it's it, it, I couldn't agree more. It's like it's that moment in the movie where they're like, "We're doing
3: this movie for you," mm-hmm. you know, not to hijack Jeremy. You're 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 No, point, dude.
2: Yeah, no. I I I I love what you said about it feeling like a test because to me it very much was, and they passed. It had man. To be. They they passed. It, it, it had to be. I think
1: right. Yeah. If 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 that first scene didn't work. How else would we we be sold on the rest of the movie? Sure. They had to make that work immediately, and I think it did.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent.
4: Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was extremely brutal, especially with the the stomp on the foot. Dude. Oof. Yeah. Soundboard would come into play yeah, right there, yeah. but some on my number two.
1: Yeah, it's already been mentioned, but yes, Scream Two's opening scene. It's you know Omar and Jada. At their best amazing chemistry the fact that it takes place at a beautiful historic theater and it, it being a screening of stab makes this one of the most my, my most favorite moments of all time in terms of horror cinema there's a beautiful suspense that permeates throughout this whole entire sequence and there's really no stronger a commentary than seeing her opening kill in front of a huge bloodthirsty horror audience <laughs> You know, while they're cheering with their glow-in-the-dark knives and then we see this just random audience member being butchered. Um, It's both tragic and beautiful all at the same time. And for me, at least, it was very difficult because I really wanted this to be my number one because Scream 2 is the one that Brady knows this. I go to Scream 2 way more often than the original because I had to see Scream 2 in the theater for the first time. The original Scream, I watched with my grandmother and my very religious Christian aunt on VHS. Um, Because that year, I opted for Beavis and Butthead to America, which opened the same exact night as Scream. And for a kid my age, in sixth grade, no one had any idea what Scream was. There was very little promotion. There was like, not hype or anything. And then once I found out about it, it was like, no, you're not seeing that. So I I did what I did, but when I watch Scream Two, I I can literally see myself in that audience and feeling that vibe of how special it used to be to see a new horror movie. And I I, I wish I mean I I'm very nostalgic for that in terms of like the the late seventies, eighties, and the early nineties when you know horror movies were that special to all of us, where we'd all go out in the theater. And see these movies on the big screen, and now it's such a different situation. But it did give me so much of an inspiration to see the new Scream at Alamo Draft House DC area, where I do all my events, and see a huge crowd for the new one, and people laughing and crying and cheering and just yelling at the screen. And I can only imagine what this scene would have been like now if this movie was released now scream 2 is i think in my opinion it's the best second movie of any horror franchise of all time and i'm gonna say that right now and people can give me shit brady's looking up in the air like he may be right he may be wrong but scream 2 it took it's the only movie that was in production as the original movie was still playing in theaters at the same time and they were already making the sequel. It was just such a special moment in horror where it was unheard of at the time. Like nothing else was doing that. Nothing else had done that in over a decade. So for me, it's, it's such a special moment and I just love that scene. It's so meta. The writing is so perfect and Jada Pinkett Smith and Omar Epps are so beautiful In that opening, of course, yeah, it's a thin knife. I get it. It's a thin knife. Those bathroom barriers are very thick. I know the knife can't get through that barrier. (laughs) I know it. But it's still a good scene.
4: And I'm just going to come out here and say, since Justin called me out, I also agree that Scream 2 is the best horror sequel ever. I I was looking at the ceiling because I have a pen. Mm. It's a Friday the 13th pen. And it's got, if you light it up, it's got the hockey mask. So, I was looking at the ceiling. So, that's The best second movie. Completely agree with the best best second second movie.
1: Seriously, because it it improves upon a lot of the things that come in the first movie. And it builds upon them. And our our main characters are more fleshed out. And, of course, yes, they're all there. And we get Randy. i got to move on. Poor Randall. Number one. Ryan, what's your... (laughs) What's your, what's your number one?
3: <laughs> well, my number one, uh, was, it was, this is the easiest, uh, ranking. Uh, you know, I always know what my number one is because, uh, you know, it is the last like 30 minutes of scream three from the time Cindy gets the phone call at the police station and she has to make this choice to go and save her friends or continue running. And then through, you know, her arriving at the mansion, uh, getting chased into the screening room, the reveal, you know the brutal fight Sydney getting shot and then Sydney finally turning the tables on Roman and then of course the epilogue which we already talked about but this moment like I I can watch this finale over and over and over again like we've talked about it's
1: so entertaining
3: it's entertaining and like the way that West directs this uh, finale has so much momentum like the scene like where they're Sydney and Roman are just beating the shit out of each other Uh, you know you have Gail and Dewey outside trying to get in you have them just you know pounding on each other and the editing in this scene like on a filmmaking perspective is so wild again there's such an adrenaline rush um but gotta give a shout out to patrick
1: lussier who did the editing on all the First four scream movies. Yeah,
3: he Patrick is awesome, and this I think uh, the scream three finale is some of his best work. Um, but again, like this is where Sydney's story arc really comes full circle, um, and uh, the whole the whole story arc. I mean, some people don't like Romans. Some people don't like the brother twist. I love it. it. I'm kind of you know I grew up on soap operas, so maybe that's why I give I love scream three. So much. I was
1: going to ask honestly, I needed that answer out of you on this show, on our show, because. I know a lot of fans kind of question that but that makes total sense because I feel like from the beginning of the writing of this franchise mm-hmm. it's 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 always been Semi soap
3: opera. Yeah, do
1: you agree? Oh, totally. Right.
3: I mean, the whole Maureen sleeping with Billy's dad, and you know, like, right? it, 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 Billy's mom leaving, like, and cotton weary, cotton yeah. fucking weary. Like, uh, that was a uh, that was a an Easter egg. That's the
1: first time, also, you cursed on the show. Oh. So, by the way, timestamp: <gasps> Ryan cursed on the show.
3: <laughs> we don't do that here. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, uh, I'll try to sneak another one in there. Um, but no, I, it is scream is kind of a big soap opera and maybe like, I, I, I grew up on soap operas. I watched it with my mom and my grandma. So maybe that's why I give, I like scream three and I, I connect with it. Um, but the brother twist works for me like a charm. I love the crescendo of Maureen's backstory coming full circle. The whole, uh, the whole arc of the whole trilogy comes full circle. I just love this, the sequence so much. I love that it's intimate between Sydney and Roman The my favorite all time moment of scream is whenever Sydney holds his hand, um, um, right, right, as he's after she stabbed him, I think that is such a beautifully layered and complex moment. that uh, I could talk about, I could literally talk about that moment for four hours, um, about what it means and what she's thinking, what he's thinking. Uh, you know, you don't get move, you don't get moments like that in horror movies. And this has such a, a sense of like finality to it and a sense of epic, you know, grander. Do you thing.
1: think I don't mean to cut you off there, but do you think it has something to do with? with Wes. Of course. And 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 the way that he loved to present film that he just wanted to give it to the audience. <laughs> that because it, it, rightly as you just said like in terms of like horror movies, no one else wanted to give that time where you can see in that movie he really did want to give that that time for Mhm those characters to develop and and for us as an audience to see that.
3: Well, and here's the thing about scrim Three that people don't give it credit for. There are some like very adult conversations and scenes that happen here. Like, you know, where characters, there's no plot going on. There's no action. It's just characters talking about, what they're feeling, you know, like Gail and Dewey out to lunch, you know, Sydney and her, her dad talking, you know, these scenes like I, I, Wes really let, very true. He let the, he let the original trilogy breathe and like have, like he have these long scenes that let the mar- characters really marinate in who they were. And we got to know them. Uh, and that's different from what radio silence is doing with the new movie, which is totally cool. It's, you know, different strokes for different folks. Um But uh no, I going back to my number one, it is the finale of scream three, the last 30 minutes, they're they're the closest thing to my heart. I remember the first time I watched it just being so like on edge and so excited about the twist, the fact that she had the second gun and the fact that she had the bulletproof vest. I love that shit. And I it still works for me. Like I still watch it whenever I watch do my marathons. Like I just sit there wrapped in in, in it. So um that's that's mine. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. I'm sitting here like at
1: a loss for words. Only because um, I remember seeing that movie opening night and like walking out and the silence in the conversation regarding anything to do with the movie and like come now, how many years later and we're, we're discussing it in retrospect and seeing so much appreciation and understanding for what was presented to us and we didn't totally get it at the time and now we're finally like... I think a large percentage of Scream fans are finally starting to understand and appreciate it. It it's fantastic and I love that because I've never ever ever put down Scream 3 in terms of watching it and I've I've been put down myself for watching it. Um I don't know how many summers where I'll be like sitting at home by myself and one of my friends will be texting me like, what are you doing? I'm like watching Scream 3 and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, what do you mean what's wrong with me? It's a fun fucking movie. What are you talking about? It's like, it's the same thing as saying like, why are you watching A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4? Or why are you watching Halloween Part 5? Or you name whatever franchise title it may be. There are those fans that find these things in these movies that are so special to all of us and that means so much to us. So, uh, yeah. i mean
4: even just in the past year i've i've found a new love for scream 3 i think when i first went through the original three movies i mean i i think even now i can say it's definitely to me the weaker of the three but as i've continued to rewatch it like i find things i love about it and it's not a movie that i'm like oh i have to throw it away and just pretend it doesn't exist like I love it's watching not, it's, it's no Halloween resurrection let's, let's no, make, like that, clear. Let's make that clear it's not a Jason goes to well, hell and
3: you in my opinion scream fans who don't like at least appreciate or at least try or to understand what's going on in sydney's scenes i feel like you don't really love sydney prescott not to be like richie in the new movie with being a true fan or whatever but like how can you like sydney prescott goes through so much in scream 3 and there is so like there's such depth to what she goes through like I, i i don't understand how you can love sydney prescott without understanding or appreciating what happens with her in Scream 3. Um, you know, and that's where I get frustrated sometimes where the conversation has no nuance with Scream 3. It's people are so negative and it, the, the cycle of negativity just continues like it's almost like self-affirming. And th- that's 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 a problem. If you can't tell me that like Sydney going through her old bedroom is a good thing or Sydney opening the gate is a moment of quality, like if you're just going to shit on the whole movie like from start to finish without with a closed mind, I really don't have time for you. Well, that's the same thing
1: with me and Jeremy, you know, in terms of the Halloween movies, you know, he's found a newfound respect for Rob Zombie's remake of Halloween, where he's brought a new light to that movie for me, at least, where I had so many years of dealing with not being okay with it and hearing him talk about it to me in terms of like how he approaches it and why he appreciates it. I I have a newfound appreciation for it. And there's, there's, there's a time and place for us to really give expectations and, and throw them to the back and just say, let's experience this for what it's supposed to be and what it is. And fans just always have expectations. And that's why we're talking about this movie, these movies now, and especially Scream 3. But there's always going to be things in movies that people don't like, but I think that we should take the time to appreciate the fact that they're still coming out. Mm-hmm. They're still being made. Yeah. But we are down. We are down here. We are down here right now. It's time for our number ones. We got to get here. <laughs> it's got to happen.
0: Oh, so Ryan, you're- I'm. this is the greatest
2: oh. fun. You're going to love this. We got a surprise for you Sydney. Yeah, you're going to love this one. It's a scream baby.
1: It's a scream.
2: My number 1. Yeah, I'll do it. Numero oh. uno. Got to do it, man. Dude, the the finale where it's revealed that it's two killers, it's Billy and Stew, and they have Sydney trapped in the kitchen, mm-hmm. right? They have her cornered. She's got nowhere to run. Dude, it's just so much fun. It's so suspenseful. Every single time that I watch it, I'm just completely captivated by all of the reactions. I mean, from, you know, Sydney being, you know, kind of the damsel in distress and finding out, you know, this whole, you know, malevolent plot that's unfolding in front of her. T- I mean, to the point where. Billy's like, oh, how you want a motive? And then he drops the motive that not even his co-partner killer Stu knows. You could see it on his face. I mean, there's yeah. just so many emotions that are going on. It's so brilliantly done. I love it. And I love a lot of the ad-libbing stuff that we you know we've learned from watching all of the behind the scenes that went into mm-hmm. it that Wes allowed them to do on set that really make this scene special. Um, it, it is by far and away my most favorite moment in the entire series. You know, part of me, I'm the guy that I love the slasher films, right? I don't want to see it. You know, it's cool when Jason lost his, his mask in part seven, right? When we get to see his fucked up, deformed face, you know, but Bud's we, but we
1: Jeremy, you, you are the king of slashers. Yeah,
0: you're the king. I'll take you're that. The king. I'll take you're that the king. title.
1: I will. You're the king. I will you're absolutely the take that title. You are the king. You know, we I'll want, slap you, I'll, I'll slap your balls around, but you're the king. <laughs>
2: Uh, you know, we want Jason to have his mask on. We want, you know, when Michael Myers gets his mask ripped off, he's scarier when he puts it back on, right? Scream was one of those franchises that, you know, the ghost face mask is so iconic, yet it seems like in almost all the finales, the killers lose the mask, so it, it's really impactful when, you know, there's the Scooby-Doo reveal of who the killer actually is, right? Um, and this scene, it, it it was, I think it was one of the first times watching a horror film where I was like, oh... Like, I'm so glad that they're not wearing their signature mask right now because their faces and their expressions and, and you know, how emotive they were. I, I love it, man. I, I love it. This is just for me, it was a master
3: class in acting. Well, yeah. and can I just... Uh, comment on that real quick. Uh, I think it's interesting. I have I, this is this may be controversial, and maybe the first movie aside, but I actually think the finales for the Scream movies are better than the openings um, in most in, in most of the films. And Scream One is very close. Like the like the finales are so good, and I feel like people always talk about the openings because of Drew Barrymore, and that's what we kind of associate Scream with. But the finales are really where it's at. That's where we get like the the juicy you know payoff with Sydney and. Gibbs usually, and The Killer, it's... Uh, I, I prefer the finales in all four of the films to the openings.
2: I, I agree with you 100%. I, I prefer the finales as well over the openings.
4: Hmm. Is it me? Is it my turn? It is. Well,
2: dude, there was that awkward pause where I was like, cool, is Brady gonna do his pick or not? I was like, alright, no, we're, 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 we're going." We're, well, no, I, I just had no, to let no, you go Jeremy the took of, uh, initiative here Yeah, because Brady was like all quiet McGee, so I was like, fuck, I guess... <laughs> I'll no, what, he really well, he, wanted. He here,
1: Here's Quiet predict- McGee. All right, he, so my he, number. He one, wanted Daddy. He wanted Daddy to fly up there to Boston, <laughs> pull his pants down. And go,
4: I needed permission. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Okay, I needed permission from my dads of horror. No permission. Uh, my two dads. No hashtag. So I know I keep saying it, but it's just true. Like this is really hard to whittle down. Like the top moments of this franchise. <clears throat> so. This one's a little abstract, but when I when I sat down and thought about like what really sticks out in the Scream movies to me, it, my number one is in Scream, the original, when Billy sneaks into Sydney's window, and just their entire conversation in that bedroom, where he's kind of like, oh, you know, I was watching The Exorcist, got me thinking of you. And they're talking about started out guy. hot and heavy. Yeah. Yep, exactly. It's just I think this is Kevin Williamson's really crazy. Me, me and Jeremy writing. have
1: been that guy. You weren't that guy, but me and Jeremy I were was, that
2: well, guy. Well, I Dude, was that guy once or twice. Ke- Kevin Williamson has a hard on for for people sneaking in people's windows. Uh, that was a constant thing in Dawson's Creek.
4: Hmm. Well, I mean, I think in Scary Movie they parodied it, and they had what's his name, uh, James Vanderbeek come up in the window. He's like, Oh, wrong set. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I, just love this because it's like, it's, I think it just really captures the essence of like the teenagers that he's writing in the nineties. And, and I think it's, it shows Sydney as really sweet and guarded and Billy is the pushy boyfriend, but still cares about her. And I, I think for me personally, it went a long way in, in disarming me against Billy because when he first comes in, I'm like, okay, this guy's kind of creepy. But then as they're talking, I'm like, oh, no, they're just like in a normal relationship where she's dealing with the death of her mother still. And he's like trying to balance, all right, well, well, how do you kind of move that forward, but still be the nice, caring boyfriend? And, you know, as you can find out, he really doesn't him, care.
1: Him wanting to, you know, hey, you got to do your thing, right? He's right, trying and, to do his thing.
4: And I don't want to be that guy, but I, I think that's like, a pretty authentic scenario. Very authentic. Very authentic. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. like, all right, well, I'm, I'm trying to be the caring boyfriend to my girlfriend, but also at the same time, like, I really want to get it in. I want to get laid. So it's, it's. I just think it's a, a really, really strong scene. And it went a long ways as the movie progressed for me to be like, I I, I was really struggling with, it. it's Billy, it's not Billy, it's Billy, it's not Billy. So well, I, I really love it.
3: On my podcast, um, Radio Silence, I interviewed them the week of the new movie. So yeah. it was non-spoiler talk about the new movie, and they actually referenced this as one of. They said that Sydney has one of the best character introductions of all time. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's very, very cool. I've never heard someone say this was their favorite, um, their favorite scene, but that, that, that's a really great explanation for it.
4: Thanks. You hear that, guys? <laughs> really great explanation oh, of the scene. I'll give you, you a very you, little. Are you, little are you happy you skip me now? Respect yeah.
1: for that. That's right. But I love you,
4: I Jeremy. Love you. Jimmy already went. Yeah, Jared I went. I went cuz
1: Brady oh, was silent God. Because
4: he skipped me because he he went uh, oh. against protocol. So
1: Oh. Oh, so my I number I guess one. the uh, the
4: slasher king can do whatever he wants, huh? That's right. Oh, I can. fuck I
1: will
2: I will I will take your beard, turn every single time, Brady. He has
1: a beard that will grow to the
4: ground if he doesn't. It's not my fault I can't grow a beard. It's genetics.
1: You can grow a beard. I
4: can't. It's like Just passion. Trying. You seen this shit?
1: Listen. It's the
2: Mennonite pills he took.
4: Are we on number
1: one? I hate you Are no, we yeah,
2: on number, know, number buddy.
4: one? Are we on number this is, one? This is the grand finale, baby. I'm busting balls.
1: I love this moment. It's always my favorite moment. This is the best moment. And I'm going to get shit for this moment. And Ryan already called me out for this, but the opening scene from the original. Mm. It's an easy choice, but nothing screams, scream like the film's legendary opening, Drew Barrymore at her best, the terrifying phone call riffing on decades of slasher movie phone calls, our first glimpse of Ghostface, and the witty, self-aware, fourth-wall-breaking dialogue sewn into these scenes makes this one of the best and most entertaining and thrilling sequences of all time, not just out of this series, but in in, the... Any horror series of all time, ever. of all time. I mean, for me, at least, I remember the first time I saw this movie, it was not in theaters, the original. My very religious aunt and my grandmother rented it for me and I watched it with them. And I'm so connected to that moment to this day. That it was so special for them to watch this with me. And I was like a 6th grader, you know. Um, there's nothing else like this in the franchise. There's nothing else like this in terms of how it hits. It lands totally different than anything else you've ever seen before it or after it. It set the bar. And... The fact that we had that, you know, that Marion Crane scene where Casey Becker is that opening girl where everyone thought, hey, Drew Barrymore is in the poster. It's been talked about to death, but in terms of my world, where I came from, like, that was the first thing we talked about. Like, everyone now is talking about it, but... When it first came out, everyone was like, oh my fucking God, I can't believe it. Holy shit, Drew Barrymore bit the dust in the first scene. And it's so brutal, we see her boyfriend, Steve, this big fucking jock. The football player? gutted? And then, of course, she gets it. And, you know, I mean, let's face it. There's Jiffy Pop in this scene, so it automatically wins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old as fuck I'm old as fuck I'm the oldest of everyone in this group so Jiffy Pop was a big thing you've got really nice
2: luscious hair for being such an older guy though who me? yeah yeah
1: well well look what I do to it
2: it's like Johnny Bravo I dig it
3: hoo <laughs> hoo <laughs> you know I'm it, there's no better way to end this discussion uh with this scene because this is the ultimate uh you know uh, every time I watch it I do actually get genuinely scared every time I remember the very first time I watched this scene and I saw a ghost face run through the house and it happens in a flash. Uh, it is wow. such a scary image of just seeing you, you, you can't even really see the ghost face at that point. You just see the black. Well, well, I, I
1: love I love you see like the the pieces off of his arms, his costume, mm. like the like basically like these wings mm-hmm. flying through the living room. It's it's so totally different than any of the slashers we saw up until this point. He's very playful. He, he he doesn't give a shit at all about what you're saying on the phone. It's 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 totally different experience.
3: Yeah, it's groundbreaking and uh, such a brilliant uh, use of dialogue and atmosphere and the emotional impact of this scene at the end. Like I mean, Drew does so much work to make. To get us on her side and to emotionally invest, but in, so whenever her parents come home and find, you know, they hear her being killed and then hanging from the tree, there is such an emotional impact that goes beyond fear. There's genuine sadness, and I think that is really what makes the opening so epic and so iconic and the thing that everybody talks about. You know, there's more to it than just the twist. There's they have the substance to back this up. It's not just you know putting a leading actress in a supporting role it's like doing the Marion crane thing. It's, um, it's actually delivering on the goods with the great dialogue and how scary it is. And the chase scene and the, the death and the the brutality, like uh, it's, you know, it's the best of both.
1: And the fact that we're talking about movies that up until this point, all these franchises failed in the Mm nineties, all of them, Jason, Freddie, you name it. They all died. Mm
3: -hmm. They're gone. Mm -hmm.
1: Michael Myers, they all failed. They all did a shit job at the box office in the 90s. And we're talking about them in the middle of a movie, which is a reference to all of them. And it's so special. And I I don't think there's any better moment than this, like where it really resets the timeline where it says, hey, we can do so much with this. We could actually build off of this. There's the setting stone for everything that came after that.
2: I mean, let, let's, let's face it. There's horror films that came before Scream, and then there's horror films that came after Scream because Scream completely rejuvenated the horror genre. Like Justin was saying, it was, it was completely dead. And I, I remember, you know, I've always loved horror films. I've always been fascinated with them. So my go-to became, you know, horror movies were not what studios were churning out. Uh, It became, I was delving into the direct-to-video market, which was fucking booming at that time. Um, Every studio was putting out independent horror films, direct-to-video, because that's where they were making money at the time. And, you know, it's there's something to be said that that Wes Craven had these iconic films in so many decades, right? He had Last House on the Left, A Number in Elm Street... And then we get to Scream and it's just, it's just, like I said, it's, there was horror films before Scream and there was horror films after Scream. So a lot of, of thanks is definitely needed to be given to Wes
4: Craven. It's a good way to sum it up. Yeah.
1: And there it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen.
2: And there's a dead silence. (laughs) do we want to do is it uh, it Brady's turn is that why there's a dead silence oh my (laughs) god
4: no if it was my turn you would have just gone
1: Uh, that's
2: 100%
4: true yeah
1: no we're on our honorable mentions right now yeah right now so this is a top five so we are going to take what would have been the half ass part of our top ten the later end of it and discuss it now so we'll go over to Ryan right now because I'm sure Ryan has a Bunch of honorable mentions, and we'll go around the clock and discuss those.
3: Well, th- thankfully, a lot of my honorable mentions were mentioned by other people. Uh, so, uh, you know, just going off at the top of my head, I didn't mention uh, the Casey scene. Of course, that's in my top. Um, I love Sydney's first phone call with the killer in Scream One. Um, the the cop car in Scream Two, amazing. Um,
1: yes, it's on my list too.
3: I love uh, whenever Joel quits and Gail has that big moment where she says, "I feel really bad, Dewey." Uh, that's a that's a big uh, moment for her character. Um, basically, every scene that Sydney has in Scream three could be on my top ten. Uh, I mean, you know, I love the the scene with her and Detective Kincaid in, in the police station, especially knowing now that they that they're married. Uh, I think that's such an important scene to contextualize. Sydney's relationships uh going forward um I love I do love the nightmare with her mother I think I know it's very controversial as well I love it um uh, I love the Stabathon with Gale uh, in Scream Four. That's uh, mm-hmm. I, Scream Four is my least favorite of the series. I love it; it's a blast, but it's just different in tone. But um, I love the atmosphere that it creates. I love Courtney Cox's performance, um, and it's it's it, it, it. There's there's suspense in that scene where there isn't suspense in other parts of that movie. So um, I would say those are a brief um, uh, collection of my of uh, my alternates.
4: <laughs> oh, those are great! Yeah. Um. So before Jeremy interrupts, I'll go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, before Jeremy ruins fucking everything. Right, like you always. Sometimes does. you just uh, gotta step up to the plate, man. <laughs> like Ryan, uh, a lot of my honorable mentions have already been mentioned. Um, there's obviously the Casey Becker scene, uh, the Maureen scene at the theater. I I'm gonna go say it now. I think that the opening to Scream Two was way scarier than the opening to Scream One for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's something about being in a crowded theater with everybody dressed up as Ghostface, not knowing who the killer is, and them just in pandemonium as somebody's getting killed, It's just horrifying to me. Um, more so than somebody being alone in their house. Like uh, when I think of which situation, if I were in, were to be scarier, it would definitely be the opening to Scream Two. Um, I also have on there from Scream Two, uh, CC at the sorority house. Nice. When Ghostface calls and is like, "Do you want to die tonight, CC?" I think that is very, very iconic of Scream Two. I, I, when it's one of the biggest scenes in there. Um, film class, like Justin said, Scream Four, Olivia's death. Um, I also really like the Kirby's death scene, where she's on the phone thinking that she is doing pretty much what happened in the first film, where she's doing movie trivia. Um, I think it's very powerful, and then she goes out there and gets killed. It it was very jarring to me. Um, And then Wes's kill scene in the latest Scream movie, I think... Which I thought was going to be in your top
1: five. I thought it it was too, but after I said that a
4: little more, I, I, I love it. I think that that whole... Scene with the music swelling every time a cabinet opens, even though you're telling yourself, No, they're not going to do that. He's not going to be there behind that door. You still think he might be. And then Sheriff Hicks runs up and gets killed. And then that stab through the throat, it's just perfect. So
2: those are my uh,
4: honorable mentions.
2: Heck yeah. Uh, my honorable mentions are, like Brady just said, Wes's kill in Scream 5. It is one of the most brutal. And gratuitously violent kills in the Scream franchise. I loved it. Uh, it was a it was it was a twofer because you know you got to see Judy Hicks go, and then right after you see Wes go, and it was just a wham-bam, something that I, I didn't necessarily expect, but I I loved it. I remember looking at Justin going like, "Holy fucking shit!" Like I couldn't believe they went for it, and it it, it truly paid off. Uh, Casey Becker's opening in Scream One is iconic, right? It's just, when you think of Scream, at least the first film, that that's one of the first things people think of. Uh, again, another brutal scene, you know. Steve got gutted. Uh, Casey Becker got gutted and was hanging for, by a fucking tree. Absolutely brutal. It brought the gore. It brought, brought the red stuff that us horror and slasher fans love. We need that shit. I loved Mickey's reveal in Scream 2. Uh, he was a character that I, I, I always really liked, and then They made him very absent from uh, the tail end of that film, and then he pops back up, and, you know, he's supporting Billy's mom, and I just, I I love that moment where it's revealed that he's the other killer. Uh, When all the characters in Scream 1 are having lunch together, I love the dialogue, the back and forth. That's, That's where we truly get to know and love so many of these characters from the first film, I wish we had more moments like that in the new Scream 2022, which is why I have a lot of problems with the film, is I feel like we didn't get to know the characters on that level that we got to know the characters in the original Scream. But I digress. My last one is Jill getting to see her plan through, right? Because all the killers, they have- Oh, wow. You're actually, Mm. you're going there. All of the killers in the Scream movies, they have a fucking plan and they never get to land their plan except for Jill did she just didn't anticipate Sydney living right so it was it was cool seeing her like set the scene to try to make it look like she was the sole survivor when in in, in fact she was the killer and I had no idea the plan that Kevin Williamson initially had when he was writing it that he, he wanted to have her actually live and get away with it and continue the story on in the sequel I found that really interesting I read that recently but I just love that we get to see one of the killer's See their plan through. Just ultimately, of course, didn't pan out. But those are my honorable mentions.
4: Before Justin goes, I, I forgot to mention one that's really How big dare to you me. I'm about sorry. Actually, I'm I have to go. Again, I, I have to go again real quick. Hold on, um, Brady.
2: Can you wait a second? I'm gonna yeah, go yeah, no, real quick.
4: I'll just be silent. Okay. Um, in Scream Two in the library where Cotton corners Sydney. I think that is really powerful too because that was when I was like, okay, Cotton could be the killer. For sure. In this movie. You would I have think a good motive. Have a great motive, and when you research like the original ending that was supposed to be to *Scream 2*, it all makes sense. And I, I, I just, I really like that scene because eventually you find out it's not him, and he becomes the hero, and, and blah 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 gets 100% cotton. I think that it, it's just a really tense scene where you're like, "Shit, is he gonna like murder her right in, in front of these cops?"
3: So, well, sorry, Justin.
1: And I, Don't be sorry to me. Ryan has something to say.
3: I also let Ryan. I didn't. Do I it. did not include any scenes from Scream Five in my alternates. I just would. I do, but like, just real quick, I do want to throw a shout out to Melissa Barrera because she's weirdly not been brought up at all here. Uh, I think she does an amazing job as Sam, and I think Sam is a really interesting character. Um, and I'm, I couldn't be happier that the franchise is kind of in her hands right now, uh, and to see what kind of arc she'll go through. So um, I thought uh, I, I was really impressed with especially like uh, I love the in I love the finale of the new movie too. the fact that like we really get four amazing heroines um, and the killers don't matter as much as they did in the other movies I think that's an interesting perspective on the series so I just want to throw that in there for an honorable mention
1: hmm. well there it is but I will give my last five
3: okay mm-hmm.
0: oh,
1: well Counting down rightfully, and I'll make it quick, the ending of Scream 1. There it is. It's obvious. And then piggybacking off of uh, what was mentioned earlier, Wes's death, uh, in the new Scream movie, it felt like the most Wes Craven scene of the entire fucking movie! Um, the most Wes Craven scene. In terms of lighting, in terms of shot composition, in terms of character perfection. And... After that, do you want to die, Cece? <laughs> uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh wish she was in the series longer and more. Uh, love her to death and Scream too. She's on my list, Jeremy. I need her on posters. Get it for me, please. SMG.
2: SMG, please. that's the most that you're in. If, um, if she signs like she did in her book tour, you're getting SMG.
1: I don't care. It's okay. Yeah, there's there's worse <laughs> autographs out there for sure. After that, uh Sydney and Hallie in the cop car with Ghostface. What are the most suspenseful scenes of the entire series, seriously? A pipe goes through that fucking cop. That yeah. piece of shit run a cop and it, it, it's it's fantastic. I love that scene. Um almost made my top five. Then, of course, I had to include something from Scream 3, so you guys already talked about it. It's the Sydney and Roman Battle Royale, the fight scene, fisticuffs, um, where Sydney literally beats the shit out of him, and they, they they're, it's a punch for all at the end of Scream 3, so I had to include that. But that's it for my honorable mentions. But, ladies and gentlemen, I just wanted to take the time seriously, Thank you so, so much for listening to this week's episode. You guys have made Scream Month so amazing. And we can't thank our guest, Ryan, enough. Ryan C. Showers from the Scream podcast. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. I just... We gotta give love, man. We gotta give love to you. Where can our listeners find you if they want to listen all about Scream?
3: Uh, You can listen, um, uh, my show is called Scream with Ryan C. Showers. It's on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Scream with RCS.
1: Seriously, we are humbled and appreciative of the fact that Ryan took the time out of his day to come on and talk to us about Scream. Seriously, no other person in social media right now in terms of podcasts is shining a larger light on this series than ryan so seriously ryan it means so much to us that you took the time out of your day your night
3: to come on and talk to us are you and are you fucking kidding me i've had a blast
1: i'm glad i'm seriously glad man yeah this is great you
4: bring
3: such a really great
4: perspective to the series (sighs) that you don't very often it's different
1: it's totally different it's weird because I've been talking about this franchise my entire life and sitting here talking to you I feel like there's a rabbit hole we could go dig into for like so many episodes regarding every movie you know so it's it's um, so
2: evident your your passion for this franchise I mean hearing you speak about it it's it's how some people you know speak about uh you know renaissance painters or or any anything that people are so passionate about you can tell that this is your thing oh. so you you are the source and you know I, f- I feel bad at you know the moments uh that i was i was talking about you know i was kind of shitting on some of the movies <laughs> i was like dude i'm i'm
3: like shitting on this thing that this fucking guy loves it's but okay. you know it's all love i we i have i have thick skin we all have different perspectives but i all i ask is people to engage with things if that makes sense so exactly yeah. Yeah. and i think that
1: that's the most important thing is to go back to the things that maybe you didn't like the first time, or maybe you didn't understand the first time. Go back, appreciate it again. And right now it's scream month seriously. So there's no better guess. and we're not, I can't even say enough how emotional I am right now because Brady, you know, this, this franchise is me, man. This is Mm -hmm. like, this is like the horror franchise that I got to experience the theaters for the first time so i'm so thankful to have the person behind the podcast that is reinvigorating the interest in this series it's just it's such an honor so yeah is it an honor there it's an
3: honor 100 percent an honor (laughs) i mean i'm doing the, the dewey line when he gets killed it's yeah. an honor honor, it's an honor. It's, that that's a joke on my show we say it's an honor like I, I bet like every single person who comes on says it at least twice whenever they're on my show like it's, <laughs> it's just so you stab so him sad, in the
4: front and you stab him in the back you, you don't want me to like fly
3: to wherever you no. are
1: right now and like fight you in a hospital and then
3: i think i i think i, I would actually win um Woo! Yeah. Shots fired. Woo! Oh,
1: wow! I've, and I like power lift and all, I do all that. That's okay. That's fine. I <laughs> see you in your
2: tank top, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we all saw you take it it's
1: off. Hot, all right, we get hot, it. it. It's hot.
3: It's hot. It's hot. I'm hot. It's winter, Justin. Yeah. Where are you? You said you're in DC.
1: You're from DC. Outside of DC. I'm from yeah. Pennsylvania.
3: It's literally snowing here. Like, I mean,
1: you need to go to Mahoning. We need to do a scream screening there and, oh, and that'd be make fun. a big deal out of it for sure. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so, so much for listening on this episode of Epic film guys presents.
0: I'm
1: Justin. I am always Jeremy. I'm Brady. Uh, And we could not be more thankful for the fact that we have this amazing guest on this episode. Seriously, like this is the month of the resurgence of horror. And we have the man behind the biggest podcast reinvigorating this franchise ever. So Ryan, seriously, thank you so, so much for coming on. If there's any parting words, please tell our listeners.
3: Um, my parting words are, it's an honor, I guess. I don't know. Thank thank you. I mean, this has been fun. I mean, uh, you know, I, it's, I, I, what I loved about this episode is that we all picked very different things. Like there was very little overlap. So it's made this episode very fun. Um, I had a great time and you guys are a lot of fun. You guys are much different from like my usual style. So this was just like fun to be in a different environment. Um, and you guys have an amazing show. So keep doing what you're doing.
1: Thanks, man. Thank you so much. Thanks. Seriously. And until next time, if, if you like what you're hearing, if you love what you're hearing, if you hate what you're hearing, if you don't want Jeremy to sing anymore, or you do, Jeremy, tell them where they need to go. Go leave
2: some, uh, some of them, uh, five-star reviews, uh, the, the <laughs> podcast, hey, uh, them five-star reviews. The podcasting, uh, things, it's, uh, Podbeans or something like that, uh, some iTunes, some Spotify. Spotify, flies Uh, Spotify, uh, Spotcherflies, uh yeah, so uh, leave us some five-star reviews, or, or don't. I don't give a shit. Oh, my God.
1: Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> Until next time. I'm the killer, by the way. I'm the killer, by the way. Yes, you are. Until next time, we ask you that you always keep it creepy. Keep it.
0: Right through.